Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Collider Jedi Council. Today, we got a lot. We'll be talking J.J. Abrams and taking risks in Star Wars. Later in the show, we'll be talking about my experiences getting up close and personal on the scene with the cast and crew of The Mandalorian and of Jedi Fallen Order. And we're going to be talking about that new episode of The Mandalorian. But don't worry, international fans, we're going to be trying our best to not be too spoilery. Absolutely. We're here with Collider, Jedi Council, Andres Cabrera, Emma Fife, I'm Ken Napsok. Friends, welcome back to the show. We did it. We did. We did <laughs> it. I, We're still alive. I have to tell you that this entire week I've just been consuming so much Star Wars content. Yeah. That waking up today and going... Oh, it's only Thursday. It was uh, it was it was a revelation. I feel like yeah. I've lived an entire month. I can't believe the first episode of The Mandalorian just dropped on Monday, Monday night, Tuesday. Monday Tuesday. <laughs> that that nebulous space in between because I've consumed so much more since then. So I'm not complaining. What a what a it's, year this week has yeah, been in Star Wars. Been, yes. And you've got to experience Fallen Order. You got your hands on it. Yes. And I know there's might be some embargoes on what you can mm-hmm. or cannot say, but we're definitely going to be yeah. discussing it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like Andres said, uh, we are we're going to be talking about the Mandalorian, but I, I, I want to be as honest as we and transparent as we can be. We understand a lot of folks in the international markets. You don't have access to Disney Plus. And many of you have tweeted at us uh, saying, hey, could you not talk about the Mandalorian on the main show? And we've considered that. We've thought about it. And in the end, and I want any heat directed at me, we feel we're going to we're going to need to talk about it. It'd be a disservice to the fans at, at large who watch the show every week. It'd be weird to ignore the first live action television show in Star Wars history and just be like, hey, we'll talk about it. Uh, but. 
But that said, we are going to, like Ace said, we're going to do our best to not just, uh, can, you know, keep spoilers out of it, but have an actual contained segment. We're going to talk about it in a bit with time codes, a spoiler graphic, and we feel that that will be uh, a good place to talk about Mando, a safe space to talk about everything <laughs> about it, and then you can skip around it and still enjoy the rest of the show because Andres Cabrera, wow, uh, big week in Star Wars. Big week in Star Wars. Like Emma said, we got the video game coming out, and it's just, it's a lot, Ken. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited because we can see more Star Wars coming in every week now with the TV show. I know. What? What, a, what? what a great world we live in. <laughs> really, you know? really surreal uh, as I was watching it the next morning on my phone on a treadmill going, this is new Star Wars on my phone. But yeah. what, what, what future well, am I now like in? We, wow, we, crazy we idea. lived in that world when Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels were airing, yeah. but they, you know, were largely, I think, you know, Cartoon Network is kind of where Clone Wars lived yeah. initially. And then, you know, in the Disney XD days we had, but the thing is, it's like, no offense to Disney XD, but I feel like it was a largely ignored <laughs> yeah. network. I think people at Disney XD probably feel you know, that way in, in-house. Uh, I've heard some rumblings. that They're like, don't forget about us. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like with Disney Plus and having this streaming outlet that every not, – not everybody, my apologies to those of you who do not have access yeah. to Disney Plus yet. But for those of you who do, I mean, it's just like this whole wealth of – of yeah. like fiction available to you. It's it's crazy. We're going to be talking about just the experience of it too. Uh, me and Joseph Grimshaw did the first episode of the Mandalorian review. Uh, Andres and Emma will be on that show as well. We'll have a chance to really dive in. But one of the things we talked about was how we actually watch it and how word spread of you can watch it now. It was oh like an God. alien invasion <laughs> of kidding. it's in Arizona. It's moving to Houston. <laughs> let me tell you that I truly was running around my house like a psychopath <laughs> that night because I started seeing people tweeting out screen caps of, yeah. oh, I got it now. And like, screen, like literally screen caps of the Mandalorian. I'm, yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm constantly refreshing my app store on iOS. I turned on my PlayStation. I was like, I gotta go get my fire stick. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like trying yeah. to find things. And, and Ace, you text me one point. I you're was like, upset. Hey, I was actually really mad. What about the. the I was just like, I'm Disneyplus.com. Get this website like 10 times. I checked all my apps and I was like, you guys are playing a prank on me. Yeah. Because clearly everyone's watching it but me. And I was very mad uh, it was, for quite a it while. It was a personal yeah, it was. against Ace. It very was. I felt bad because, yeah, I was using a Roku and then at yeah. the PS4. And then I you was were like, Roku? I don't have Yeah, you were just like, what about. Yeah. DisneyPlus.com. Oh, I did say that. And I was like, I've refreshed this website like 10 times. But we all got through it. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But first, <laughs> we're going to take a look at Star Wars news. This is all the headlines fit to click here in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, not a ton of stuff other than like reviews and, and new content, but some very interesting things to talk about. And the first story is here uh, from J.J. Abrams, echoing something we have heard him say before, uh, talking about how the last jedi uh, inspired him to take more risks on star wars episode nine the rise of skywalker there's jj and his risks uh there, there's no doubt jj i guess he has a 
bit of a reputation for not finishing things. I don't know if that's completely justified. Mm-hmm. People attach lo- that to Lost, but he wasn't really around when that show was ending. No. Um, uh, and, and he starts uh, Star Trek. Another example. Start strong. Maybe not as strong as it goes on. Episode seven. Uh, financial success. It had a lot of new things. It had some very familiar and old things. Uh, that was part of the design. The soft reboot of the of the saga and the franchise for a new generation, without a doubt. Um, a lot of people feel it worked. And JJ feels it worked. But let's dive into some of the things he talked about. Then I want to talk to Emma and Andres about risks and J.J. Abrams and Star Wars and the whole big picture. J.J. said this in episode seven. I was adhering to kind of an approach that felt right for Star Wars in my head. Uh, he says it was about finding a visual language. And he's speaking with IndieWire here about finding a visual language like shooting on locations, doing practical things as much as possible. And we continue that in episode nine. But I also found myself doing things that I'm not sure I would have been as daring to do on episode seven. He adds, Ryan helped remind me that's why we're on these movies, not to just do something that we've seen before. Final statement from him here. I won't say that I felt constrained or limited on, on seven, but I found myself wanting to do something that felt more consistent with the original trilogy than not and on nine i found myself feeling like i'm just gonna go for it a bit more emma fife where does your heart take you on these comments here's the thing is i understand why jj abrams treated the first film that he did force awakens the way that he did because there is this tremendous amount of legacy that is hanging on the shoulders of whoever is carrying on this saga. And J.J. Abrams happened to be the first person that was effectively designated to do that. So I really enjoy Force Awakens. I I do not disagree that it is it it definitely shares a lot of story beats mm-hmm. with the original Star Wars. Um but I am I am excited to see him uh do something a little different. Obviously, I am a big fan of Ryan Johnson's work on Last Jedi. I understand why pe- some people are not. And it is because Ryan Johnson was like, I'm making a movie. It's yeah. like, it's cool that it's Star Wars, but it's a movie first. And it's a Star Wars second. Yeah. And I think that Abrams was re- felt really constrained, perhaps. And I, I mean, he, constrained isn't exactly the right word, but like felt the need to kind of stay within these guidelines of what he believes people perceive Star Wars to be, and now I think he's in a good place to go, no, I'm going to make it like the Star Wars I want it to be. Yeah, especially because he came back to this probably. I mean, he wasn't yeah. sure this was Colin Trevorrow's move. He comes in like, what do you got to lose at this point? Exactly. <laughs> I've got my big deal coming down the pipeline. Um, yeah, I, don't, I agree with everything you're saying about how Episode 7, there was not just the pressure that everyone's talked about for now five years, but just like, hey, uh, you know, we know what came before. We, we know whether, you, uh, you know, I, I love the prequels. A lot of people grew up with the prequels, but yeah. we know that there's a stigma attached to it. Sure. The un- Uncle Bob Iger talking about how, yeah, we bought Disney. Looked, I, I love in his book, he says, yeah, we didn't just look at the prequels and what George had done. We looked at the reviews and the ratings. We got a big picture. And we decided to go this direction, whether you agree with that or not. And uh, Andres, Emma and I love movies. We do love movies. But you <laughs> and Robert Butler III over on the Meaning of Podcast, yes. you guys, you really dive into yes. the art of film. Uh, your appreciation of filmmakers and what they do, these big risks, these swings. What do you think about JJ's comments going into nine? It's definitely interesting. And, and it's definitely exciting for me because I've been on – I've been like – on the hype train for the Rise of Skywalker, like mm-hmm. I'm choo-chooing all the way. It's, uh, you're, um, you're choo- it's a big. Is I it really a, want to somebody to make a like <laughs> meme now of Ace just choo-chooing on a train. train. <laughs> and I, I truly believe this is going to be him just going for it, just yeah. hail yeah. Mary 
to the touchdown, to the end zone, like every single play, every yeah. single scene. And that to me is so exciting because it gives a different opportunity for Star Wars. I still keep saying this is going to be the end game of the Star Wars trilogy mm-hmm. because that's the best comparison I can give. They're certainly selling it. The, the end yeah. of the Skywalker saga, we know yes. Star Wars goes on, but yes, to your point. But when I say the end game, I mean like it's just going to be like crazy. crazy. Like, I mean, end game introduced time travel, like that kind of stuff, that kind of crazy. Of like, that. We're going to see stuff we haven't seen in live action Star Wars before. And that yeah. to me is exciting. This is me just going off nothing, just yeah. off feeling. But I, I'm excited because I feel like he's taking that inspiration from Ryan Johnson of just saying he took his risks in his movie and that's his version of risk. I want to take my version of risk. And I kind of want to see what J.J. Abrams thinks mm. is risk-taking yeah. and his conversations with george lucas too and we'll get to that is yeah. also an indicator of like what we can expect from the rise of skywalker just building right. off of something that you were saying ace you said that you feel like we're gonna see things in this movie that we haven't seen yet in live action star wars yeah. do you think that there is going to be like an incorporation of some stuff maybe that we've seen in comics or an animated star wars that's going to be a big payoff for the people who've been following along with that 100, stuff 100 i've been saying this forever if you're a fan <laughs> of rebels you're gonna like the rise of skywalker i mean you can just tell by just seeing the yeah, ghosts in the trailer I mean, I, yeah, yeah yeah i'm still convinced like, I, I have some like deeper theories of how rebels okay. ties into this but we we yeah. don't need no? to talk about what's that what's one simple one what do you think well i mean Give me one. Ace brought up the idea of time travel do you think world between I worlds i just really think like we might crazy? get a little reference how did Palpatine survive, y'all? Here's yeah. Here's what I, I always go to this idea. I've, I've said on the show before. I don't believe J.J. Abrams and, and Chris Terrio are sitting there watching all these shows. No, I think neither, they're right. but but the fact that the ghost is in there and everything. And who knows? I, I, who knows yeah. at this point? We don't know for sure. And 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 you're talking about going back to what we're talking about the the end game. Now that comparison even makes more sense to me. And that trailer when. We're seeing space horses running on a Star Destroyer. That is something that, I don't know, if you had told me 1997, I'd be like, I don't know if I want to see that in Star Wars. If you told me two years ago, even coming out of Last Jedi, a film I loved, I'd be like, space horses on a Star Destroyer? The the, the Orbacks? The Jerry Orbacks on a Star Destroyer? (laughs) And then I saw it, Emma Ace, and I was like... I, oh, I think I definitely want to see that in Star Wars. Yeah, I'm, you're like, I want to be swing. on a space horse riding on this <laughs> yeah. um, Let's talk about the idea of risks in Star Wars just overall. I mean, George Lucas, there's some technical risks we can talk about, but I, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on in-story risks. Yeah. Uh, we were talking off-camera uh, about some of the, the, the behind-the-scenes or, or off-camera uh, risks. I think the biggest one actually is Yoda, based on the entire second feature at the core of it around a puppet mm-hmm. is, is a little weird, but outside of that stuff, uh, there's a lot of outside story stuff. What inside story risks do you like in the entire star Wars saga? Do I like in the entire like, star yeah, Wars not, saga? We're not talking last Jedi or force right. awakens. We're talking, you can go to empire. Well, I mean, you know, e- even just circling back, obviously to last Jedi, I, I, I personally really, really enjoyed Ryan Johnson's decision to mm-hmm. make Luke sort of surly old man Luke. Yeah. Um, just because to me that that felt like, again, it's such a huge risk because this is somebody that people have idolized as a hero for so long. But I think that Ryan Johnson's movie was about the dangers of putting somebody on a pedestal yeah. like that. Um, yeah. and, and like the repercussions of it for that person who yeah. has honestly been dehumanized by everybody around them. Yeah. So I love, love that. Um, and then, I mean, God, huge freaking risk ending Empire Strikes Back on a massive cliffhanger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hello? 
The sec- Remember they all <laughs> happy? They won? They killed the Death Star? No, everyone's no. sad. Nope. Everyone yep. is sad. Uh-huh. Big risk. Big risk. That's some good stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, other than Luke's beard, I finally feel seen um, <laughs> and, and grumpiness. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was a big, big swing. That again, obviously, he's incited some passions. Sure. But that's... You know, sure. uh, every strike makes you one more uh, swing closer to a home run, as mm-hmm. uh, Babe Ruth once say. Yep. Andres Cabrera, big risks in Star Wars. Yeah. You're thinking. Your, your film well, file brain is thinking here. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to pick one that's kind of controversial, and it's been brought up recently in probably the last Star Wars film. And that's George Lucas kind of being like, you know what? I kind of dropped the ball. I'm mm. going to bring back Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> He was great. Boom. I was going to bring him yeah. back. He survived. Boom. Oh, I forgot to tell and, you. We're going to go TV shows, too. If you want to come back yeah. with something from Rebels or Clone Wars. So, or Rebels no, because Wars, yeah. that's a and big it, one. And yeah. it gave us so many incredible episodes in Clone Wars. It gave us a, a better story arc for Darth Maul. It gave us Darth Maul, Darth Maul yeah. fans like an opportunity yeah. to dive more into the character. And a lot of people were like, oh, nah, brah, when he came out in Solo. Yeah. But I was like, yes, <laughs> thank God. Yes, yeah. yes brah. Uh, yes, brah. Yes, yeah. uh, when he came Should, out. Did, did you... I just thought of another really great okay. one that's, okay. that's, that per, that specifically pertains to Darth Maul okay. and the end of his story. Well, I want to dive into Let's come back because I want to come back. This is a great choice. It was on my list. You didn't yeah. steal it from me. I have another one, but it's on my list. What do you uh, got about Maul? So I thought that the ending of Darth Maul's story in mm. Star Wars Rebels, where he has his final confrontation with Obi-Wan, yeah. is one of the best fights in all of Star Wars. It is mm. It is my second favorite lightsaber <laughs> fight. I rank it so number it two among all lightsaber fights. And it fights. is such a huge risk because yeah. it is a samurai film scene. Yeah. It is... Maul versus Obi-Wan. Maul has all of this pent-up emotion, and he's so angry with Obi-Wan still. And Obi-Wan has moved past it. Mm -hmm. And so he kills him with one strike. And it's... Oh, it's beautiful. But Mm -hmm. also, Darth Maul was a character we were introduced to in like one of the most epic lightsaber fights of all time. So to not end with the two of them having a massive lightsaber, like jumping up on sand dunes, flips, doing doing like slide kicks... Was a big risk. I'd, I mean, I'd, who doesn't like slide kicks? But, <laughs> no, because that lightsaber fight—it was—it was about compassion and uh-huh. growth versus Ugh. vengeance and and the desire to never change. It was so beautiful. And and the idea from Freddie Prince's uh, now infamous rant of uh, you know he's pushing it up uh, the rock up the uh, up the hill to fall back on him yeah. that with Maul, but that and the compassion, uh, the final moments of Obi Wan. You learn so much of both those characters and Star Wars overall in that fight. That's why I think it is good risk. Because yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're like. That, that that's all we got. Big risk, but the risk to bring back Maul because the story. I love the story. Is George Lucas walks up to Floyd. He says, "I got something for you." Darth Maul's back. How do we do that? Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. He made them go up and make that work. Well, and you, was, you grew up a Maul fan, right? Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Um, a lot of people who saw Solo, a lot of people who didn't keep up with Clone Wars, just thought they brought him back for Solo. They're like, "Why did they bring Maul back for Solo?" And I was like, "No, you don't get it. Like, yeah. we have the opportunity." to have Maul throughout the Clone Wars. And if you haven't seen that, that's fine. That's yeah. great. No judgment. But I can still hang on to those stories and I can still rewatch the Clone Wars and enjoy the Clone Wars and enjoy that character even more. Yeah. And introducing him in live action form is almost just giving us like a little down payment of like, here's a reward for <laughs> keeping up with Clone Wars. Now, yeah. 
experience Look, whatever the future can hold, which we yeah. still don't know what could happen. Oh, yeah. After, like, whether we get a show, whether, you know, whatever it is that we can possibly see continuation from Solo. X versus Sever, Kira versus Maul. Kira That's and Maul, I mean, the yeah. adventures of Kira and Maul. Or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, we can, yeah. we can still get a payoff. And I feel like... I need that payoff. And, and that was a risk in it. And I know there's a lot of things of, you know, uh, they ran through some options and they ended up on mall. I, I, you know, maybe Ron Howard didn't know as much as, as John Cash did. I, I get all that, but they ended up at some point they decided, yeah, okay, mall. And, and I think that was a risk because, yeah, I was there. You know, Emma, you and I were talking, we've talked about this before that we were in this, this screenings and yeah. the first viewings over that weekend. And people like, I thought, that, oh, this happened before yes. Phantom Menace. Yeah, that, that's a risk. But overall, you it, it, <laughs> literally yeah. reward. I screamed in the theater, literally <laughs> screamed out loud in the theater. That was you. And Did all you my yell, friends were did like, you yell choo choo? Oh, yeah. And, and all my friends were like, I thought he died. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, oh, and like, screaming my head. You're off. not friends with those people anymore. Not anymore. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, you know. it was. It was. It was a massive risk to include him in that film because yeah. it was the first instance of <laughs> really addressing the existence of the animated shows, which are a hundred percent canon, mm-hmm. rather than just it being an Easter egg, like seeing Chopper roll through the Rebel base in mm-hmm. Rogue One, or hearing the announcement yeah. of uh, General Sindula, please report to the briefing room. I yeah. stood up and screamed in the theater. I like, I'm, like, literally... <laughs> you, you both of yeah. you are doing a lot of screaming in theaters. <laughs> to, be fair, is... to be fair, Hera is one of my favorite Star Wars oh, characters, period. Same. Yeah. And I Darth Maul is one of my favorite Star like, Wars I, characters. I think I ranked Hera number two overall in my like favorite Star Wars characters. Yeah. One time, right, there so you go. yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you gotta push up the glasses. Exactly. Uh, well, Hera is uh, just great, but anyway, um, uh, yeah. yeah. But it, again, it, it was a massive no uh, risk to just like really dig in like that. But then for but it's so rewarding for the people that do know. So I think yeah. that kind of brings it back to what we were talking about before: is that idea of J.J. Abrams perhaps like not being afraid to incorporate some yeah. stuff that way. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of want to take this back. Um, take it back. The second part of the article talks about his conversation with George. Mm. And, and I feel like George might have been pushing him as well to take more risks. And that's what George, regardless of what you think of anything of his decision, each Star Wars movie builds off of one another. Mm-hmm. Mm. Each one introduces something new, introduces something more interesting, a little bit more of development, whether it's within the Force, whether it's within the Rebel Alliance or the Worlds, Empire, planets. from from yeah. New Hope to Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi to Phantom Menace, etc. George is always good of building upon lore, which is one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. is building upon what you've already created. So now, he said that the conversation of midichlorians obviously came yeah, up. Yeah, we have that quote. You want to read the quote? We got it. Uh, we got the quote here at a nice little fancy graphic about J.J. and the midichlorians. Um, he said, J.J. Abrams said, he had a lot of things to say about the nature of the Force, the themes that he was dealing with when he was writing the movies. Yes, there was some conversation about midichlorians. He loves his midichlorians, <laughs> but it was a very helpful thing. Sitting with him is a treat just to hear him talk about it because it's effing George Lucas talking about Star Wars. I always, I always feel like it's a gift to hear him talk about that stuff because it affects me and that effect that he had on me when I was 10 years old is utterly profound. Yeah. And that's so relatable because I just imagine myself sitting with George Lucas and just losing my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's also the conversation of like... Midichlorians is canon, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I've, I've told you guys a million times I've to everyone who hates on me for saying that, but... Mm. I've been saying this forever. Midichlorians is canon. You Embrace can't. it. Yeah. Just give it a big yeah. hug. Give it Just a big love on you it. Got, man. You got to take it all so, with Star Wars. So I'm, I'm curious what, 
I, I don't necessarily think JJ is in, introducing, yeah. like he's going to bring back some sort of midichlorian thing in The Rise yeah. of Skywalker. Right, right. No. But I think it does give him that extra push yeah. to, you know, let's well, try something that hasn't been tried before. And one of the things, too, that uh, Dave Filoni has said a lot, somebody who worked very closely with George on Clone Wars and whom, according to Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, George Lucas kind of thinks of as like a son in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, he used to always talk during press events for Rebels about how George was the person to always say, why not? Like, they'd come up against right. something when they were making the Clone Wars, and and George would come out with this, like, crazy idea, and Filoni would be, well, why, though? And George's response was always, why not? So as you say, Ace, he is somebody that is always looking to push the boundaries and to evolve, and, and that... It should be an inspiration to people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the stories that came out from the, the Uncle Bob stuff about yeah. George, uh, you know, seven didn't push things forward. It, it, excuse me. The uh, I'm in week two of, of low grade bronchitis. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't necessarily the story beats and elements. It's no, just no. George going, uh, you know, I want some new planets, new technology. I think that's why yes. he's, he loves the Mandalorian, because when he's there, you get to say he the, the, you see them on the set. He's very happy and engaged because shooting on the volume is probably something that he was like, oh, I want to do the well, prequels again. now. And like, let's just also talk about how Star Wars as films pushed the film industry in general. I mean, yeah. Star Wars 1977, that is like revolutionary in terms of sound design in film mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. in terms of like surround sound like star wars has always pushed the envelope in everything not just within its own storytelling and that's yeah. why the prequels incorporated as much cgi as they did and no it didn't all work and no it oh. definitely didn't age well but yeah, yeah. they were trying something yeah the risk i would tell you we, we can focus on some of the risks that didn't work but you know it takes us down a, a long path and a, and a subjective path at times but yeah but there's some there's some things that objectively just didn't work but, but like, like Jar Jar, for the risk of that, and that's a different conversation. But totally. But Ahmed Best is getting there, and let's do this performance yeah. capture technology and take the risk and, and make that and, and set the, the trend going forward. I think yeah. that's as much to do with motion capture as, as Andy Serkis, who's sure. obviously spectacular. The Gollum stuff is, is next level, but it, Ahmed's one of the early ones there. Can, can I – I mean, obviously, this is just a hypothetical. You can. George always had an idea for what he was going to do for the second trilogy, sure. for the final trilogy. Yes. Obviously, I'm not saying is J.J. Abrams going to fit all that in to episode nine. However, do you guys feel like maybe he'll give a little nod to like some sort of like, I don't know, midichlorian being or something <laughs> like that that George it, wanted for it, the final trilogy? One of the biggest risks coming forward, we know, not just the space horses, but Palpatine, right? Mm. And the big question is, I think we're all generally like intrigued, but hey, how do you do it? How yeah. does it how does it play out? What's the execution? Uh, that's the that's that's part of this, this this risk. So maybe it could have something to do with things that Palpatine knew and learned from Plagueis, and and that be. I don't know if we'll ever hear the word midichlorians again on a big screen comics or something. Can we get an art piece of Ace just embracing midichlorians, <laughs> yes. going choo choo as yeah. midichlorians? Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, yeah. I'm curious because this it would be an interesting spot to just insert it in. To I mean, I'm, the science of it a little bit. Yes, because obviously we haven't gotten to Mandalorian, but there mm. could be something there it, with a certain well, being yeah. at the end of Mandalorian. Could be, could be that big that could ending. Bring back Never know. Um, the middies. One risk yeah. I did want to talk about here as we round out this discussion on the, the best risks in Star Wars. There's your title right there, Mark Riley. Um, is uh, while watching Rogue One and... 
wondering, like, this this probably isn't going to end happy, but it is the second film in the Disney Lucasfilm era. Um, we got to probably have some good ending, happy ending. And when K2SO drops dead, which is the story of, of, of duty, of choice over programming to me. It's a very, it's, it's actually, to me, actually probably the most powerful death in that because you're like, he, this, he, he, he was not programmed to do this and he overcame that and he did that and he sacrifices himself. It's really emotional. I remember in the first screening thinking, oh, they're going to do this. Yeah. They're going to do this. And My theater started crying, crying? when K2 died. <laughs> Like, I was crying. All my theater was crying when K2 died. Adam, I was like, yo. Adam on the, on the case with a yeah. great picture of uh, Rogue One and K2. Yeah, and then so when, when it started happening one by one down the line of all the characters going, I thought I... I wouldn't. I, I knew it was going to be quote dark, but I I, I didn't think they were going to commit to that. Yeah. Yes, we've heard there's different versions of it. Yes, there were some big changes, but uh, sitting there in the theater, they did that risk. I think that paid off and created a an very dark tone poem like standalone film that mm-hmm. fits well into the Star Wars saga Ace did you scream in that theater at all I didn't scream but I had the same thought you did when, when I was like oh okay K2 dies okay that's, that's real sad but we're, you know so and so is going to and then mm-hmm. he dies and I'm like oh okay but Cassie and Jin obviously they're going to make it right. and then they're on the beach and I'm like oh wait uh, <laughs> they're no, not going to make it no. <laughs> yeah. they're all going to die yeah. and, I, and I really liked that choice quite a bit because I was like that's so realistic that is much more impactful to me and so, some of that music at the end, that, that, yeah. I'm telling you, that track, Your Father Would oh. Be Proud, is one of my yeah, favorite Star Gino's Wars tracks. The score on that is real good. It, I'll tell you what, I was probably part <laughs> of the, the chorus of people who after Rogue One was like, I don't know, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's one of those things. The you, more you listen, you listen to it. I, I remember the moment. I was at home. Uh, I had I had some music playing. Um, I know it's old. I'm old. It probably was on a cassette deck. Uh, Mark Riley loaned it to me. But <laughs> I um, I heard the song and I was like, oh, I, just had, I was like, this is this is great. I love Star Wars music. What? I don't remember what this one's from. Is this from yeah. Return of the Jet? Rogue one. Oh, God, it's Rogue One. It got me right here, and then it all kind of connected, mm-hmm. and, it, and it filled. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that was a risk that paid off. I definitely think yeah. it was a risk that paid off. Because as you say, I mean, because it was a lot of the conversation around Star Wars Rebels when it was starting to come to a conclusion was, well, what are they going to do? Because we don't see any of these characters in mm-hmm. the original trilogy, so how are they going to explain that away? Now, they did a really good job of explaining it away without it being TPK, like total yeah. player kill, all the characters die, which isn't to say that none of the characters die. Some of them certainly do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the choice to just nuke everybody in, in Rogue One. Yeah. But they also did make it feel like it was for something. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like they killed everybody off for the sake of killing everybody off and making a statement. It was right. very in line with the tone of the film and ultimately that final scene of Jin and Cassian on the beach yeah. is very I'm like getting teary just thinking about it. Like okay. it's it's very you can just like go hopeful. Choo choo yeah. and you're good. Sorry, I'm gonna yeah. make that the most popular Star Wars meme ever because it's I awesome. No, I'm with you too. I get chills. I talk about you know, I love Admiratus and yeah. I can get I, I think it's a, he's so important to just his moments and he's important to the formation of the rebellion right in that moment and and I get those weird, I get those, the, the, I call them the nerd chills when, when they come out of hyperspace. Yeah. And this is Admiral Raddus, the Rebel mm-hmm. Alliance. It's the first time you're hearing it officially in battle. Mm-hmm. They've come together, that whole sequence. The third act is, and I've got problems yeah. with the first and second act. I, th- I think there's some character development issues, blah, blah, sure. blah. That's, that's, just, like, that's why I always choose to focus on what I love because yeah. why would I, I don't want to undercut my feeling of those big moments. We can have a discussion about should the team have gone to Edu, should there have been a little <laughs> bit more, what, yeah. the tonally, are things different. Yeah, absolutely, but... 
it all ends up with what you're doing. You're feeling it now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're uh, screaming in theaters. God I bless am. you, Ace. A uh, lot of risks in Star Wars. There's more to talk about. If yes. you've got a favorite risk, an in-story risk, um, uh, let us know. Tweet out to a Clutter Jedi Council. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Uh, George Lucas loves his risks. Uh, and he sure and does. He's still risking things. He is still risking things. Uh, those of you who are Disney Plus subscribers and who have had a chance to check out some of the old classics, the film that started it all, Star Wars 1977, now known as Star Wars A New Hope, you might have noticed there was a slight change to the scene that's been subjected to slight changes <laughs> for the past, what, how, uh, almost, what, 20 years? From the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning we've, been, uh, we've been changing this scene. Uh, the who shot first age-old question now is accompanied by an additional uh, little, little nugget of dialogue wherein right before Han Solo shoots the infamous Greedo, he, uh, he says in a term that is, I don't know if it's Rodian or, or what language he's speaking, but uh, he can be heard to utter the phrase McClunky. <laughs> That's a good McClunky. Thank you very I much. I was going to see if we all could do our, <laughs> our McClunky. I, I don't think I can McClunky. talk that. McClunky. Yeah. No? McClunky. Yeah? That was really good, <laughs> Emma. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Ace, what do you think McClunky means? Uh, I do not know. <laughs> I think McClunky means uh, this is the last time you'll be hearing about this. <laughs> I like that. It's been too many times, but I, I guess embrace it. Why not? Look, i got to tell you something. I'll confess something. And, and Mark Riley, if you have any thoughts, I'd, we'll pop on. Adam, don't worry. You, you just get right here next to me, close to me. I... <laughs> flip for this i love it i've watched really? it 50 times i now it's now uh it's now in my lexicon yeah. if you're like uh hey ken you want to get lunch after this and i'm like let's get uh, let's get uh, wood ranch and like let's get yard house i'm gonna go mcclunky and we're gonna go to wherever I, I, i'm telling you it's i am also i love on another level and, and drew our friend drew mcqueenie uh tweeted uh, this out something i'm paraphrasing but just like I love that George left this landmine because yes. this was done what in 2012. 2012, in I believe, is when this 3D edit release. Was. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was yeah. it was a 3D release that never because there was Man. there was this time where he was going to re-release the entire original trilogy in 3D for home video, uh, and Hector Navarro is somewhere like sobbing about this still. <laughs> Seven years later, because he's the one person I know that like thinks 3D is the ultimate in film technology. Until he gets a little older and you just start barfing yeah, all over exactly, Universal Studios because exactly. the Harry Potter ride makes you sick. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that is exactly what this originally was for, okay. and uh, now here here it is. Seeing the light of day, George Lucas sold all of Star Wars to Disney along with McClunky. I love, I'm obsessed with George's (laughs) obsession with this scene. Now, it's been well documented. George has made changes from the opening weekend on sound mixes, everything. And there's a great discussion to be had about art and preserving the art. Look, there's a a copy at the Library of Congress. You can break in and go, (laughs) or you can come to my house and watch the VHS tapes to see one of the original versions. I get it. But, and our friend Cam Rice had a a very thoughtful Facebook post about art and the preservation of art. Hey, make it all available. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg, they've all made changes. And I want to come to you on some of that stuff there, uh, Ace. But I just, as a Star Wars fan, am obsessed yeah. with George Lucas sitting there in his studio going, McClunky. Yeah, that's <laughs> Add it. that in. Nailed it. I think well, it's hilarious I mean, in a fun way. Well, and George Lucas is somebody that, I mean, we were talking about all of these great filmmakers. Mm-hmm. 
frequently making edits and changes to their sure. work, even after it's already been put out there. And George Lucas is someone that has been doing that for a very long time in Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, as you say, Ken, like from the very, very beginning, but certainly things like when we re-released the original trilogy in theaters leading up to the release of the prequels. Yes. So Ace, I want to know some of your favorite changes in Star Wars, yeah. like changes George made what, that you What are the weirdest like. ones that you actually like? Oh, or maybe man. hated, but like let not. Let I not. just like that his idea of changes is adding things times a hundred instead of <laughs> yeah. five stormtroopers. Let's make it five hundred instead yes. of like one X-wing let, or or ten. Let's make yeah. it a thousand X-wings and just that idea of him additionally adding more and more to make mm-hmm. it seem more grand. Yeah, which is what he wanted to do in the original, but he always took it back based on budget constraints and based on technology yeah so now when he has a technology he's like i want to build an actual city and i want to see all the people in the city yeah and he's able to do that um i still think it's i still think it's crazy because like you said a lot of filmmakers do this but not no 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 can i just say that no, he, straight he, up yes. as someone who has watched a lot of movies yes yeah not that many filmmakers yeah. do this to this like, level like i i've always been like you know, han shooting first is is not the problem george thought it was just on on who the character is sure but that's his i don't like uh, vader yelling no in the return of the jedi sequence now it's no. one of the changes he can make but here's i i don't think george he doesn't like he doesn't like release a version of empire strikes back where vader's like i'm your cousin or anything like that like uh, yeah he keeps it all the same but it's it, he's obsessed with the way it looks yeah, I was and feels. Say, and Ace, is, Ace, you're completely right that most yeah. of it is him just dialing it up. Yeah. Because when he made it, he wanted to make it that way, but the technology yeah. didn't exist for him to do it. So he's basically going back in and just adding in all of the things that were yeah. originally in his mind. Yeah. Um, Ken, any any changes that George made that uh, come to yeah, mind I'll that you enjoy? Uh, yeah, there's because like Jedi rocks. I don't like that. Uh, yeah, me neither. That. But I got it, it's a it's one of those jokes. But the Ewoks blinking right when it first came. Oh I was like, yeah. Like, why would you do that? But now I recently watched one of the it's the older versions, that and I'm they like, don't that they don't blink. I'm I know. Like, I agree. Yeah, I, I never. I grew up never thinking that yep. uh, they never blink, yeah. uh, and that George was again somewhere at Skywalker Ranch in an office was like they need to blink, like. <laughs> and so I think I've come around on the walks. Yeah, blinking. I, for me, I I still don't hate it the way that most people do. But as a kid, mm-hmm. a change that I loved was meeting Jabba the Hutt in <laughs> A New Hope. I loved like, I mean, it. I was waiting for kid. it, but I got it. But yeah, what? Why? What did you know? Did you kid. know the significance? Did you feel yes, it? Yes, because yeah. I because I I already was a big fan of the original trilogy, and I already knew who Jabba the Hutt was. So it was so cool for me to be like, oh man, this character that I know who it is, and I know he doesn't show up for a couple more movies. Like we're meeting him now, so like everyone's gonna know how gross and scary this guy is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And also, I thought it was so cool because I was somebody that was very aware that a lot of films had scenes that were cut and there were unused footage that yeah. they were reviving this footage that had been filmed yeah. that they didn't use and now they were able to use it and incorporate the character as he ended up appearing you know two films later so to me that was so exciting as a kid uh, i get that i get yeah. that there uh final thought uh, riley do you have any do you have any thoughts yeah, uh, from the you know you're, you're, you're okay <laughs> with mcclunky 
McClunky. He says McClunky. What are some of your favorite Star Wars oh, curse words? words? Because yeah, McClunky's yeah. now on this for me. Well, what, so I, I just did a rewatch with uh, the Wanger. Oh, Shout out man. to Christian and Cody yeah. for The Phantom Menace. And uh, one of my favorite characters, Sepulba. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Pudu. Vanta Pudu. Because as a kid, I always tried, and, and Christian and I were kind of on the same vibe because yeah. we. we both grew up like with Latino culture, yeah. So we both thought he was saying like Spanish bad words, <laughs> um, and, and w- watching back at it, my parents thought he was thought saying Spanish bad words. <laughs> so as like Latinos watching this movie, we were like, "Oh, what is he actually I, saying? I, is he? What did they try to say?" Maybe he was. I don't know. And, and uh, Christian and I had this this thought as we were watching the Phantom Menace yeah. of like, uh, Phantom Menace has this kind of bad uh, track yeah. record of kind of being insensitive to different cultures yeah, yeah. and how Sepulba <laughs> might be like the stereotypical Mexican uh, like, that's race so car true. driver I, like the little cholo guy who's didn't like a, even occur to me. got a muscle car <laughs> He's Hector yeah. from Fast and Furious. Yeah, what you're like, so right. Um, there were some decisions in the prequels yeah. that I don't so, know if so we so would be made. So Boba saying yeah. cuss words and curse words was... Bantha Poodoo. Yeah, yeah Bantha Poodoo. I'm trying to think. I mean, they... The, um, Look, the, I, the, the greatest one is Ichuta. Ichuta. That's what that, I was thinking was Ichuta. One. I was trying to but, think of one other than Ichuta. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I also love taking words that aren't necessarily. Well, I was going to say because because I feel like too like so like there's a Hatties word that is chuba which just means you but they kind of mm. use it in the same way that like in right. Japanese you can say you a bunch of different ways sure. and there are like are ways of saying you that are very insulting right mm. like okay. depending on the word that you choose to say you it's not like in English where we just have one word which is you sure and it's just based on sort of the intonation of your voice right um, yeah. yeah exactly exactly. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. What about um, can uh, bes- I, I also like taking things that aren't necessarily curse words and uh, turning into them into curse words. Uh, so you know, I don't know something you can go wampa yourself or something like that. It's it's part of the fun. But now we have the best of all time, McClunky, McClunky. <laughs> and that is our look at Star Wars news. There's a lot of other things out there too, but uh, we love digging into the headlines. Uh, and we well set time. We're going to be talking uh, the Mandalorian here in a bit and diving in. So again, to remind everybody, uh, yeah, we heard a lot of tweets come our way. We read a lot of tweets come our way, I should say, and we get it. It's very frustrating. Licensing deals, every, whatever's going on over the over uh, over there, over across the pond. We understand a lot of our uh, UK and international uh, friends. Can't enjoy The Mandalorian or Disney Plus in general. You can't watch Herbie the Love Bug fully loaded. Uh, is that on there? I know the original Love Bug is. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> I assume Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, you can't watch there. it until the March 31st in a lot of uh, markets. We're respectful of that. But uh, again, we feel uh, we're going to talk about it. And you can send all letters care of me for making the uh, the final call here with Mark Riley. Uh, to, to, to like, we, we're going to have to dive into this. So, so Andres Cabrera, we're going to yes. go into uh, a video thing. The spoilers will be. Oh, the spoilers will be after the video. We got a video package, and I got to go to two events yesterday. She, she was working hard. It was a busy day. And then we'll have a time code down below of when the spoiler conversation um, stops and a logo on the bottom. I am super excited to get into The Mandalorian, but I want to toss it to you, Emma, because you got to go to the premiere of The Mandalorian last night. I did, yes, at Al Cap last night, uh, Disney's theater down on Hollywood Boulevard in mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood, California. There was a... a Mandalorian fan premiere event. Uh, obviously, at this point, anybody that has access to Disney Plus has been able to see episode one, but we actually got to see episodes one 
through three. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was down there in the thick of it on the red carpet, and I got a chance to actually talk to some of the cast and creative team behind The Mandalorian. So uh, take a look. What's up, Collider Jedi Council? Emma Fife here out at the world premiere of The Mandalorian at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Immediately after watching the first episode of The Mandalorian, which you directed, went back and watched some of the episodes that take place on Mandalore of the Clone oh, Wars. Oh, cool. Very cool. Thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. totally. I mean, I'd watched them before. It was definitely a rewatch. You get the immersive experience Absolutely. now. Well, you know, oddly, John is in some of those. Yes, I, I'm well aware. <laughs> That's how the connection happened in the first place. He was working on Clone Wars as a voice actor for me. After we traded, he and his son wanted to see Clone Wars. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, you can see Clone Wars if I can see an Iron Man trailer. And so we, we made a swap, and you know we've been uh, together ever since in a way. Where were you when you found out? In John's office. <laughs> My agent at the time, he said, John wants to meet you. And so I went in and I met him and he said, do you know why you're here? And I was like, I have no idea, but I have been a fan for a long time. And he said, uh, well, well, you're here for Star Wars. And then like, I pretty much blacked out after that. Like, I was like, what? And then like, I came to the concept art and it was like basically close to my face. And I was like... <gasps> Oh, I have a face in this? <laughs> oh, it's me, it's me. I'm a furry monster, oh my gosh. Can you talk a little bit about sort of your inspirations and the process for creating this very unique kind of space western feel? Yeah, so I, I started, I talked to, I had a conversation with John. He sent me the scripts. I read the scripts and I saw like the mood boards and listened to his thoughts about what, what his inspiration was. You know, samurai movies, we were talking about westerns, you know, and a lot of the things that all these movies have in common is is a sound or a music or a sound element or musical element that's extremely distinctive and stands out to you. I had um, a bass recorder that I started playing and came up with this theme that later on is uh, the Mandalorian theme. Just kind of reminded me of like the way I used to write music when I was a child. So that was the, the foundation of, of the score and how, how he came up with the theme. Uh, Mandalorian takes place about five years, I think about five years after Return of the Jedi. The Empire has just fallen. The entire galaxy is coming apart at the seams because there's no central government. And as, and as tyrannical as the Empire was, it did hold the galaxy together and there was a sense of order. We see after the rebellion what's happening, what's rising from the ashes. There are still a lot of bad guys out there. And so this is about a Mandalorian who travels from system to system, trying to make his way through the galaxy and encountering the vestiges of what came before and the green shoots of what is yet to come. Chapter 2 and Chapter 6, those are mine. And so um, one of them's showing tonight, so I'm super excited <laughs> to see it on the big screen at the El Capitan, of all things. So it's uh, it's great. So I, I, they, they got me on board for two, and I was like, I'll do them all if I could. <laughs> So obviously a lot of The Mandalorian, I feel like at least so far from what I've seen in the first episode, is bringing uh, a lot of pretty cool aliens to life. Yeah, and you know, one of the things John likes to do is to find kind of obscure aliens that maybe only got like a, a fraction of a moment in the original films and then put them front and center. So that's super fun. We get to do Corrin and we get to do, um, you know, just all kinds of blurgs. I mean, we haven't seen a blurg since... Uh, I know Filoni might have had them uh, in there somewhere, but the last time I remember seeing them was the 
Ewok adventure back in the 80s. So, you know, John loves plucking these, like, obscure Star Wars things out and putting them front and center. So it's super fun. If you could sum up, like, the score, what you're trying to achieve with it in three words or less, what would you say? Uh, I was trying to make people feel the way I felt when I was a child and heard Star Wars for the first time. Now, if you uh, could sum up Quill in three words, what what would you say? Three words or less. I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you know what? Touche, touche. That's uh, that is truly the perfect answer. <laughs> Doctor Pershing, in three words or less, what wh- what words might you use? Science above all. Ooh, I like that. That feels like a good like life mantra for him. I worked on it last night. Yeah, <laughs> you came prepared. You could sum up Kara in three words or less. What what would you say? Okay, so this is really funny. And Pedro almost like we almost peed our pants the other day because we were doing an interview for this, and everybody in the world calls her Kara, and I'm the only one that calls her Kara. <laughs> I call her Cara Cynthia Dune, and we were like, it was so funny because we were doing an interview, and he was like, and I was like, nobody says my name right, <laughs> and he was like, I know, and, he, and then we almost beat our pants. But so, anyways, let's well, now I feel like I have the inside scoop, and I'm going to say Cara from now on. Yeah, spread the news. <laughs> um, her name, her her full name's Cara Cynthia Dune, um, and I would sum her up as passionate. Loner and um, deep. Things a lot going on in there. And that's a wrap on our coverage of the red carpet here at the Mandalorian premiere fan event. It's a surprisingly chilly night in Hollywood, but honestly, uh, the enthusiasm for bringing this great new Star Wars story to life is. It's warming my soul, at least, but my body is still a little cold. I kind of want to go inside where it's warmer, hopefully. Shout out to Jimmers. Jimmers McClunky is uh, his Twitter name now for the great question of summarizing the character that you play in The Mandalorian in three words or less. That is a great red carpet question because so often on those carpets you have about 30 seconds. So, uh, uh Congratulations on having your question asked to some of the people involved in the show. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Great to have you there, Emma. Yeah, uh, it was so cool to be there. Up close and personal. And we know how to say uh, Cara Dune. Cara uh, uh, Carolina Dune, Cara I Carolina believe. Yes. Fantastic stuff. Andres, the Mandalorian. Let's do it. Finally, yeah. Monday night, we all went crazy. We lost her collective minds mm-hmm. trying to get mm-hmm. disney plus trying to watch the mandalorian but we did it we saw the mandalorian obviously emma you've seen uh two and three yes i'm three we won't ahead. talk two and three because i haven't seen two and three yeah. I won't and i don't want to get spoiled i won't tell you um but we will get into slight spoilers we're here yeah. during the later parts of this discussion yes. but i kind of want to start out obviously this is a pilot so the point of a pilot is to get you hooked into the rest of the show I want to know for you guys, was did this pilot accomplish that? Did you get hooked right away? I, I think absolutely. It worked for me as a pilot, Emma, and yeah. it got me excited for literally just what you said. Oh, I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, I totally agree. It worked for me as a pilot. It's it it's interesting. I would be curious to see what people who aren't necessarily as big of Star Wars fans have to say about the pilot because I can't 
unlove Star Wars. I can't unknow everything I already know about Star Wars. Mm. So to me, I felt that it did a great job of setting up the world and what the story is basically going to be about and gave us little hints of things that are going to get resolved down the pipeline. However, I do wonder if people that aren't as into Star Wars maybe felt a little lost if this was resting too much on its franchise. That's a great question. I've seen some you of know? those tweets. Uh, hey, if this wasn't Star Wars, would we would we be as invested? But that's a great. What you just said, Sam, is great. I can't. I can't unlove it. No, it's there. Mm-hmm. I, I I know what <laughs> Beskar is. I, yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you want? I thought the exact same thing. You know, because I was watching it and I was like, I love the Mandalorians. Oh my god, it's more Mandalorians. Yeah. Like when they oh, reveal that, yeah. I was like, this is incredible. This is amazing. I'm loving this already. But as someone who doesn't know what Mandalorians are, maybe. Right, right. They might be like, oh, look, it's more Django Fett's yeah. walking around. Oh, cool. Like, yeah. are they as invested as we are is a great question to ask. I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah. But Again, we can't. I can't unlove yeah. Mandalorians, mm-hmm. which I've loved forever. Yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're right a, there. You love Mandalorian. I'm a big Mando culture. guy. Uh, so personally, I was just like this. I'm in. I loved it. I love the first episode. I love the fact that it's a character that we're following that is already yes. questionable, that is a badass, that is someone who's there for his bounty, doing his thing, but still has a little bit of honor, still has a code. It mm. is like that lone samurai kind of thing. Mm. And that for me was like, I'm in. I'm super in. I have to give so much credit to Ludwig Göransson's score mm. on this show because holy moly, it is so essential in setting the tone of this kind of morally gray space western that we're getting and that i i have the actual like mandalorian theme stuck in my head it's like the one that plays when they are uh, it plays during the end credits i'm like are mm-hmm. we talking about spoilers right oh, now yeah. people have seen the this in, no, the, in the trailers up. We're, we're good okay. spoiler t- it's like the scene up, so. where where um uh, the Mandalorian and Quill are riding on the blur yeah. like across the plains. Yes, exactly. And it's the same music that plays during the credits yeah. along with those like beautiful paintings yeah. of what happened in the episode kind of recapping everything. So it just, it the the feel of the show, my favorite thing about it, honestly, is the sense of humor. Okay. I really feel like yeah. they just nailed the sense of humor that is exactly Star Wars in this show. That's cool. Yeah, uh, um, obviously, I want to get to your thoughts, Ken. Well, yeah, I... I, 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 I wow, that was a great song. <laughs> hey, good no, job, I, Ken! I, was, I wanted to pivot back know. to the sense of humor, like, because IG-11 really worked for me when oh, I was... my I, God. I, I love Taco ITD, I love his humor, so, but I was, I was like, what are we going to get? Is it Korg 2.0? And they went in another direction totally. that just was totally comedy of character. And the thing, too, that worked so well about IG-11 was this instant chemistry that he had with the Mandalorian. And we are talking two characters whose faces you cannot see because mm-hmm. IG-11 doesn't really have a like human emoting what? kind of face. I mean, but those eyes. Those eyes, they totally worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just as a, a testament to how well crafted those scenes were and how much just even in the voice work there's this great chemistry between Pedro Pascal and um, Taika Waititi absolutely and it's one of those things too where that that's your biggest takeaway my biggest takeaway is still 
the idea of following a Mandalorian who is very... Because I, I kept thinking about it. Hmm. I don't know if we've ever, and I might be wrong, you guys can probably correct me, followed a character that's already like the morality questions are already like down to the 50% line where mm. you're just like, mm. I don't know. Cause Han Solo, you could say, but he's not really the protagonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those times where I'm like, this is so I mean, exciting yeah. because I can see a guy get chopped in half. How cool. I'd like I think that's fun. That Dr. Afra in the comics sure, kind of sure, falls sure, yeah. in, into this category, but it's a very different story because yeah. hers is more about her like, <laughs> dealings within and without of the empire and this is this is a lawless land you know mm. you know what i thought of emma and mm. I, I think you'll appreciate it i think of daredevil and i think oh. of punisher where we're following to Dare, punisher a little punisher more, more so i would but say we're yeah. following a character that we know he's gonna jack people up he's gonna kill him he's gonna yeah. slice him in half and we're kind of rooting for him and we know he's doing it for like kind of a good bet, intentions yeah and Ugh. I think that's so exciting well, I can't in wait. Star Wars because we can see a character who's yeah. like, oh, no, he's going to slice people I in half. He's going to shoot him in the head. Cannot yeah. wait for you guys yeah. to say that. Uh, I, I'm so curious. Uh, yeah, the, the core of the story, I love the flashback stuff, which gives a yeah. little bit of the foundling stuff. Yeah. But it is uh, Nick Nolte. How do you say You say it better than I do. Quill. Quill. Yes. Is so how, I, said it, official... I said it wrong last week. Oh, I've been yes. calling him Cool. Cool Nolte. That, I, I, I was like, Quill, Cooley. I don't know. Yeah. Quill is how you pronounce it. Um, that is directly from, uh, and you saw it in the interview there, the um, woman who is is the creature actor. So she's a, yeah. she, she does Who's a great in job. the suit, in the Ugnaught really suit. But cool. that sequence, which was very Western, literally, oh, including yeah. Quill's nod to the uh, scripture and I were talking about just the, yes, cowboy, ride the Blurg horse. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, yes. I enjoyed, um, that's the emotional core of that episode, and, yeah. and I'm sure we'll translate to the rest of these stories. Don't you tell me. I'm not going to tell you anything. Um, yeah. But when he t- challenges him to be a Mandalorian and what that means, not just in the badassery, yeah. but what, what honor is there, and you don't need your spaceships to this, and you need to blur, you need yourself, I'm helping you, because I know there's something inside you you can rise to to go handle the situation we need, to Absolutely. bring peace to this region. This whole story is going to be about identity, and yes. about culture, and about like your race, your people, your culture, mm-hmm. your identity, and also coming from tragedy, because yeah. we hear about the Great Purge, um, which... Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you have ideas was, for that. Uh, but 100%. We have, 100%. Uh, 100% have, uh, uh, about two months ago, Scrimshaw said to, comes to me and goes, I think the Empire wiped out the Mandalorians I think that's kind of in the Galactic Civil War uh-huh. era. Uh-huh. And I'm kind of like, that's kind of where I'm going there. So yeah. don't you tell I'm me I'm not going to tell you anything. You I just, just wanted to say. I wanted to just say one thing that I observed about the show that I love and that continues in the next couple episodes that is not spoiling anything, which is to say, that uh, it feels like this, if you want to learn how to write a great session of a tabletop role-playing game, watch The Mandalorian. There's so much decision-making going to this location and this thing happens and then you can backtrack to this location. It's just, uh, it's a lot just of- it is art. I love it. It's so good. Uh, and the other thing that I just wanted to bring up from um, some of the conversations that were had around this show uh, during the panel last night before the screening is this whole idea that it was a team that made this show. The directors talked about what a collaborative process they even had with each other. Mm-hmm. Deborah Chow specifically said, it's usually very isolating being a director. You don't, you kind of yeah. come in and, you know, you pass the other directors on your way out, but you don't really get to work together. And everyone here has said that it was very much like Star Wars film camp. 
That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One final thought I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, because yeah. uh, Joseph and I def- definitely talked about it. And you can see the Mandalorian review here on Collider. Uh, and then we also go in real deep on Force Center. But uh, the idea that in this for this episode alone, I don't know what goes on but uh, after this, but this episode alone, Every scene's the Mandalorian. There is oh, no yeah. other point of view. There right. isn't Baelish and Jon oh, Snow no. in the corner. Yeah. It's the Mandalorian all the way through. Did you like that creative choice? Loved it. Loved it. Once again, I love following this character who we know little about, but mm-hmm. we get just glimpses of what potentially we can see from him. Mm-hmm. And I, just that aspect of him making his decisions. No droids. For, he has something against droids. He obviously yeah. has something against the Empire. Like, there are certain decisions that he's making that we get reveals about his character, which is kind of what writing is all okay. about. Can I can I quickly jump to yeah. the, the elephant in the room? And by elephant, I mean a tiny little green... Oh. Yes. An elephant? A green elephant? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The green, yeah the Absolutely. The big ending, it's out there. The world's... Little I'm, baby. I saw someone on Facebook, and I deleted them as a friend. They posted... <laughs> That baby Yoda, I'm calling a Yakugal. A um, Yakugal? Because I, I think we're going to get the species reveal in this yeah, show. Yeah, um, me too. I, I, I deleted them as a friend. They posted it. You know said, what? Oh, this. And I was I, like, that is, uh, you're done. That's honestly. You're the, done. Yeah, that's, that's, a, no, that's, that's a good it. reason. And, yeah. I, and I had seen it. But I was like, you're not, you're, you're, oh. you're, some men just want to watch the world burn. You're out of here is my friend. Yep. Wow. Cut them. <laughs> that person was Mark Riley. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I really do. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on that. I want to, uh, you guys take the lead yes. here on that. I, I believe that, uh, that uh, we are going to learn a lot more about yes. the species, not just the importance of the story. But I think, I think George walking around with his copy, his coffee and his flannel on set. I'm sure at some point they turned to him and said, Got any ideas about what this might be? And I think he answered. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where when we see the reveal of, like, a tiny little baby Yoda, mm-hmm. we don't know. Like you said, we don't even know what to call it because we don't know. Yep. This is one of the least yeah. known species. So I called it a baby Yoda. I've called them Yodas, like Yaddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we only know about Yoda and Yaddle, at least in, in canon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where, like, our our questions start to come up, like, is, you know, where yeah. the species comes from? Is this the last of it? Mm. it? Does this have a connection to Yoda just because it is a Yoda yeah. species? Like, those are the questions and the speculation that I love about Star Wars fandom mm-hmm. and that I'm already seeing a lot of online. It's- and I think it's... Well, Fine. a lot of it tra- tracks to Doctor Pershing, uh, Omid Abdi's yes. character with the with the clone Camino symbol, yes. but he's yes. kind of wearing the Imperial thing. Yeah, a lot he of and I talked about that. You talked about. I talked about. I talked to Omid about it. Yeah. Yes. And any insights? He didn't. Revealing? He uh, he said that uh, Filoni said to him, "You know, this means something to a lot of people." <laughs> or I can't remember if it was oh, Filoni really? or Favreau said it, but uh, and he was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then like. When the series aired, basically Wikipedia came to him. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, hit him right in the face. Can we go? Yeah. I don't know because I'm asking you. Because I'm You're like, asking, can we, I'm asking you. Can we go there? Can we just go there? Yeah. Can this be like a clone, clone of Yoda? Like, I mean, Ooh. obviously, can this be like a weapon for the Empire? Where we know the high midichlorian count mm-hmm. uh, 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 um, that Yoda has, so we know how force sensitive the species can be. Yeah. yeah. Can this be some sort of Experiment, and we already know in the Phantom Menace that mm-hmm. we his blood has been tested because Anakin yep. says it's higher than Yoda. How would they know what Yoda's is if they haven't tested right. Yoda before? Got so that records. means there is a blood sample mm. out there. Okay, um, I like this. He's kind of like a nuclear so- football. They're trying to get a hold of. 
a what, good theory. They know how the force is already so powerful within mm-hmm. that species. So. Oh. Mark Riley approves. Mark, Ra- Mark Riley up. loves your theory. He's yeah. giving, he's giving Mark, you. Mark Riley is, is choo-chooing yeah. right into Ace's theory. He's choo-chooing. He's, giving, that's he's, a, that's he's like, giving you a thumbs up, and he, that is not a thumb you're pointing at me right now. Okay. I love yeah. it. That's a good theory. I'm yes. just saying, obviously this could be just another species, but I'm just yeah. reaching at straws right now, Look, so don't I, I, quote I, me. Yeah, no, but that, that's, that's part of the fun. Uh, it you is. Know, I'm it, just having fun. I think yeah. the dangerous speculation is it creates expectations you, you can't let go of, but the, Emma, they wouldn't have... Wouldn't have put a baby Yakugel, again, patent pending, <laughs> if that's the right one, uh, a, a, a Yakugel baby or a Yadalite uh, in there if it didn't mean something to the bigger Star Wars story. It, uh, oh, man, I can't say anything because yeah. I've seen okay, okay. Don't say You've seen too much. additional episodes. I've seen too much. Please seen too much. don't say anything. Seen I won't too say anything. Much. Um, uh, all right. Uh, and then, uh, Ace, uh, we got a, uh, our friends over at Collider uh, had a good article that uh, posed some questions. We That's like. right. So um, Vinny Macuso uh, wrote an article talking about <laughs> the theories and questions that we've come up after The Mandalorian. Obviously, the first one is, where, when are we? What is the state the shape of the galaxy. I kind of want to get quickly into this one just because I got to give a shout out to um, one of my favorite scenes in the episode. And that is the, remind me, monkey lizard... Kawaki and monkey lizards. Kawaki monkey lizards. Kawaki monkey lizards. Yeah. Stuck oh, in that cage. No. That was brutal. Your tweet about that made me laugh so brutal. hard, what by the way. I, tweet? I tweeted about it, and it's just the image of, of the Kawaki <laughs> yeah. monkey lizard like looking through the cage, and he's like, man, boy, do I miss the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just him just saying that out loud, and he's just thinking of the times yes. where he was living it up. That's but I just imagine... His friend get roasted. What, what I'm saying is, like, I think it'd be so much... And I know this is dark humor, but I appreciate yeah. dark humor. Yeah. If it was actually salacious crap. <laughs> if it was. And he's like, man, I used to live it up in Jabba's Palace. Yeah. I used to get dancers every night like it was a dance party, <laughs> laughing it up. Uh, yes. And now I'm going to get roasted. <laughs> That's I, amazing. Look, I just got to give a shout out. Fair to enough. That. Yep. Fair uh, enough. But that kind of shows you what the shape of the galaxy is in. Yeah. Um, for the first question. Uh, the second question, he says, who is the Mandalorian? Um, what is best car? Uh, and then obviously Baby Yoda. Well, who we, is or we, what is Baby Yoda? We talked a little bit about that there. Uh, you you did a great Mandalorian lore segment last week. Yes. Emma, so best car we know of importance we saw. We Very saw he's, important. He's not just, he seems to be doing it for a cause. And I think that all ties into who the Mandalorian is. I think that all ties into who the Mandalorian oh, is. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Man. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I can see it in I her love, eyes. I was going to say, I think like, we need to cut her I off. I love that okay. scene Don't look at me, Emma. Um, with yeah. uh, the armorer. It was really great. No. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, and okay. also just like the fact that the Beskar is like in these bricks with the imperial symbol mm. printed on it. It's mm-hmm. like, what exactly was the yeah. empire? Because to me, it seems like the empire was using it as a trade commodity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's what I took what the armorer said is this, you know, this was taken during the Great Purge. Yeah. And, and that's why Werner Herzog is t- so like, oh. it, it should be back in your hands. Yes, and, exactly. And, and, and I think there's some. The Beskar so belongs back in the hands and, of the Mandalorian. And, the Mandalorian. <laughs> and uh, so good. Parsec. Um, and who the man, who is the Mandalorian? I, I didn't think going into the show that I'd be so interested in the mystery. I just yeah. thought, okay, cool, it's Mandalorian. No, I don't, it's not Boba Fett. Maybe it is Boba Fett. I don't know. But now, it, it, now that, that flashback sequence alone really got me intrigued to find out. And this is why this is a great question that you can mm-hmm. see the article over at Collider.com <laughs> of just like, it's not just, who is he? It's who is yeah. he? Like, what does it mean? Well, yeah. and I think, too, that one of the things that I'm really enjoying about the series and this whole idea of who is the Mandalorian and, and what is this 
kind of better cause that he's working for. And they keep right. referencing this idea of foundlings, which harkens back to something that was in a lot of like Karen Travis's books about Mandalorians, because she's largely the one that that created what she was did. sort of the EU culture of Mandalore. Um, and one of the things that I would really like to see like restored is this idea of the Mandalorians being a group of people that are largely comprised of people from all over the place. Like it doesn't matter what species you are or mm. what mm. planet you're from or who your family was before that, because like there's sort of this Mandalorian ideology of your family being who you choose them to be. Like there's a saying that basically is um, like, it doesn't matter who your father was, but what kind of father you will be. Mm. Um, and so that, that's something that I would like to see come back into like canon Mandalorian sure. lore. And it, there's, are, those are questions that are brought up. Yeah. Just the idea of the foundling, foundlings and the idea of like orphans and the fact that he yeah. was an orphan. Like, we don't know if he's like a natural born Mandalorian. Was he adopted right. into the culture? Is this some sort of like Mandalorian establishment where they take in orphans yeah. and raise them inside this culture? Is he in a satellite tribe? We don't know. A lot of yeah. things we're gonna, and, and, it, and, and that last shot of the, the great shot of the, the finger and the yeah. Yadalite uh, hand going up, it's like he's immediately connecting with this orphan right here. And that's yeah. going to be a powerful theme there. Still, it's got to suck to be a, a 50-year-old baby. <laughs> well, I mean, well Yoda cool. was over 900 years sure. old. Yeah, so. but, you know, I'm a, I'm a 43-year-old baby, so it, it, I know I know <laughs> it goes there. Uh, Ace, uh, that's, is that all we have right now for that, the Mandalorian? That's, yeah. that's what we have right now. Obviously, there's a lot of questions to bring up and mm -hmm. questions to bring up later on in the episodes. Um, but let the theories roll, man. Just let them go. Speculate. Yeah. Just go hard. Let the theories hit the floor. Let the <laughs> theories hit the floor. Uh, so that is it. The end of the spoiler segment. Welcome back for those, uh, perhaps our UK viewers who are just joined with the uh, conversation. We're going to take a quick look, a very quick look at uh, books, comics, games, and more. Because we do have, uh, well, let's do the comics first, Adam, and then we'll close with what we got. And that's it. We, we get some comics coming out. No reviews. Just looking at Star Wars issue 74, Wookiee versus Sith coming out. The Destination Hoth is kind of the big theme. This is the main line that wraps up very soon. We also got the collection of the Age of Resistance Heroes side of the conversation coming up. Uh, I have read all these. These are these are really good uh, one shots that give you a little slice into the characters. Some some canon information if you're if you're there for that. It, it, it's really good. The Poe one I really liked a lot. It involves. Uh, it involves a character he will meet again in his life um, as that story takes place prior to uh, uh, Last Jedi and Force yes. Awakens, I do believe. Uh, final uh, comic out uh, that we're talking about this week. Actually, two more. Jedi Fallen Order, The Dark Temple, 4 or 5. This is a good series prequel for the Fallen Order video game series. Target Vader is about ready to wrap up. This is the one where Darth Vader is the target, and we have uh, a group of bounty hunters still going after him. This one's been pretty good. It was low on my radar screen, but it's. Uh, I think those low expectations Expectations kind of have uh, have uh, contributed to this comic uh, working for me. So that's the comics. We're gonna keep diving in. Don't worry. Some of the comic and book conversations that you've been missing will be back. But uh, the main event of this segment is uh, Emma's 
very busy Wednesday day <laughs> included, uh, actually began yes. with Fallen Order. It did. Uh, yeah, so Jedi Fallen Order uh, releases tomorrow. Most people will be able to get it tonight starting at 9 o'clock p.m., which is also when the embargo drops and you can check out our review of the game uh, right here on Collider, over on Collider Gaming. Uh, and I got a chance yesterday to uh, go and chat with Cameron Monaghan, who plays Cal Kestis, who is the main character in this game. He is a, a, a Padawan during a time where it's real bad to real be Force-sensitive, because this is following the execution of Order 66. So he's, he's kind yeah. of been living his life, laying low and on the run. And uh, I will have that full interview uh, coming out later again, also on Clutter Video. However, mm-hmm. uh, Cameron, big Star Wars fan, yeah. uh, as, as so many people working on Star Wars nowadays are. So I did get a chance to ask him uh, about his earliest Star Wars memories and got him to share his own personal Star Wars saga, contributing to our segment, Your Star Wars Saga, right here on Collider Jedi Council. Take a look. Now, on, uh, on our show, Collider Jedi Council, whenever we have guests on or, you know, guests come into the studio that are Star Wars fans, we like to ask them uh, about their earliest memory of Star Wars and, like, what got you into Star Wars in the first place. We call it uh, your Star Wars saga. So nice. what, uh, what, what would you say is your earliest memory of Star Wars? Um, I, I, I think it was just... Uh, I had the, this VHS box set of the original trilogy, and it, it was black and gold, and it had uh, Darth Vader's face mm-hmm. on it. Oh, I remember it well. <laughs> very, very iconic box. I remember um, not only watching those tapes a lot, but also holding the the box and looking at it a lot and capturing my imagination. I loved Darth Vader. I loved the design of the character. I loved you know, what he represented, and as a kid, I, I always was just so intrigued by that, you know. That, there were plenty of other things, like the the, um, the lightsabers that they, they telescoped out, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of stuff, and those were always around as a kid, but I think my very first memory is just looking at that box and holding it and, and watching the, the movies from it. And would you say that that, like, image of Darth Vader on the VHS box set is what, like, compelled you to continue to sort of explore Star Wars as you grew older? I mean, it was also just a, it was a, a period of extreme excitement for, for Star Wars when I was a kid. You know, uh, Phantom Menace came out in 1999, uh, or, or yeah, I think it was yeah, 1999. 99. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was uh, six at the time, okay. which is... a kind of a great time for that that movie you know the character is a a kid and he's going on this venture it's very it's very colorful and and fun and vibrant and um i remember going to the theater with my grand 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 uh, my grandfather and uh sitting outside of it afterwards and just be you know talking about it and loving it and being excited and all those movies were kind of coming out as I was getting a little bit older, and, and you know, so there was a lot of Star Wars fever, and also a lot of great Star Wars video games around that time too. Yeah. So it was it was a good time to be a kid, and and, and you know, uh, again to Cameron for sitting down and chatting with me. Uh, he was really really a delight to, to talk to. So again, be sure to check out that full interview when it comes out later on Collider Video and our review of Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I have played. Many hours of this game now. Again, just trying... This whole week has just been me, like, injecting Star Wars directly into my eyeballs. Uh, and, again, I, I can't say too much, but um, the, I think this is the Star Wars game you've been waiting for. I love yes. this. Uh, 
Trevor Saga, the VHS tapes. Yes. I have that one, the Vader tape. Yeah, oh the yeah. Collection. Uh, that's a great experience. And then Darth Maul, it connects with you. Yeah, then. I was going to say, I think he's around my age. So I think that's yeah, why we had... Yeah, he's a little had... bit younger than oh, okay, you. Oh, but younger. Yeah. Trying to make me feel old, am I? I see, no, I see like, how it is. Listen, Ace, you are I the see... youngest person at this table. we got to have some victory. Don't even get started with me and me and Mark Riley, man. <laughs> We're I'm over trying to connect Oxo. to the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Emma has to bring me down. It's all good. Um, <laughs> great stuff. No, you're, you're close in age. Emma, thanks for go. putting in the hard work for Clutters that I Oh, yeah. It was like a San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. day yesterday for me but Big just day. right here in the comfort of my own city uh thanks for that more of that kind of uh, stuff here on the show segments yeah. going outside these walls uh pre-tapes all those good things uh, we're gonna wrap up the show today though with some star wars fan questions our fan alliance is strong today uh ace uh, you got a question that's uh tickling your fancy choo 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 man um i got one from admiral jack bar at the geeky gator uh, she or he says, uh, let's get some Star Wars positivity in here. What is your favorite thing, character, planet, scene in each uh, Star Wars trilogy? Um, mm. I- I'm curious because I think planet's kind of a fun one. Okay. Ooh, um, favorite planet. So maybe we could pick like a favorite, maybe favorite planet or character mm-hmm. from each trilogy. In each, in each, okay. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I don't know okay. if you guys have any thoughts right away. Planet wise? Yeah. Uh, okay, I-, I will go to. Uh, I gotta say, I was gonna say Endor. I was obsessed with Hoth as a kid. I also yeah? was gonna say Hoth because Hoth was so scary to me as yeah. a kid because that whole just, scene with the Wampa, like yeah. it just, that was that made a mark on my young brain. Team, um, team Hoth. But you know, yeah. I but I'm a I'm a Bespin kind of gal too. Bespin kind of gal. Yeah, uh, I th- I'm gonna say Bespin. It's yeah. it's good accommodations. Okay, yeah, so nice Bespin. accommodations. I'll stick with Hoth original trilogy. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy in the room who picks Tatooine. <laughs> hey. I have nothing wrong with that. That's legit. Good, good bars. Yeah. I like Tatooine, man. I yeah. think uh, mm-hmm. people don't give it much. I mean, obviously, George Lucas gave it plenty yeah. of love. Yeah. Um, he keeps bringing it back. Yeah. But I'm going with Tatooine, yeah. man. Okay. Going, and Pre- then prequels. Prequel era. Prequels hard for me. Yeah. You like a lot of it. I like, because the prequels I've rewatched probably more than any of them. Yeah. Um, and it's always a toss up. And I know I'm going to okay. pick two. I'm not going to pick two. But it between Coruscant yeah. or Naboo. Mm. Um, I'm a big Naboo guy because I love Naboo. And all the um, underwater stuff on Naboo I is great. I love Naboo, but I'll, I'll probably pick Coruscant. Coruscant's my favorite planet. That's an underrated choice because you just kind of yeah. almost take it for granted that it's oh. there. It's, like, well, it's a planet city. It's so cool. I actually, the whole city is a planet. I'm going to say Coruscant as okay. well because, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we spent a little time on, on Bespin and Empire. And again, so for me, with the Bespin thing, it's more of a like... The idea of Bespin more than like what we actually see in the film, but mm-hmm. Coruscant is really the first time that we see like a city yeah. in Star Wars. Absolutely. So that that's a good that answer. made a big. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to take no disrespect to Bright Tree Village. Uh, <laughs> Chief Chirpa disagrees with your city. Uh, that's good. Uh, prequel planet. I got to go with Mustafar. Uh, yeah, Mustafar's good too. And yes. I love Naboo, and I love a lot of Felucia's wonderfully weird. Yeah. Rest in peace, Ayla Secura. Um, I was obsessed with the idea of, of Vader and Anakin fighting on a molten lava planet with, that we read about in the Return of the Jedi novel, yeah. and to finally see it, and it popped up in the trailers, and then actually see it and live there and then on battlefront 2 the original one that's where was, i kind of was realized had that moment of like hey i'm playing as a clone on mustafar and padme's ruminations the song is playing i think i might like these movies more than i'm admitting to myself yeah. break my heart Ken. yeah no you don't no, want to go to, you don't want to <laughs> go to mustafar so i'll go with that so but the fact that he actually decided to be like i'm gonna make this my home kind uh, of yeah. thing you know it was a, even better i love mustafar so, so. that's it do we want to do Sequel, yeah do 
sequel trilogy. Yeah, uh, I'll start my favorite my favorite planet in the sequel trilogy. Oh man, I was gonna say Takadana. I don't necessarily love oh, Maz's yeah. castle. I mean, Maz's castle is fine, but I love the landscape of Takadana. It's 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 indoor light in a way, yeah. and idyllic. I, I imagine I just want to get a cabin over the weekend and work on some writing. Yeah, I uh, we did a, a Star Wars movie fights at Screen Junkies back yeah. in the day, and Takadana was my pitch for the Star Wars. Planet yeah. I'd want to live on or vacation on. I mean, I got to admit to Octo being. I love Octo. Being on there with no social media, put, yeah. a, put your spaceship on the you water guys, and kind of go Octo away. Octo is, is my pick. There you go. There you go. Because uh, Porgs. Oh, uh, yeah, you can go. I mean. I'm going mm. with the most controversial one. I'm going with Crate. I like oh, Crate. I thought no. you were going to say so Controversial. <laughs> Give me them silver foxes. You can do yep. Sar- Sergeant it's Salty. Salt. Yeah, so Gareth yeah. Edwards will just stare at you. Yeah, as you, mm, good. Exactly. Okay, that's okay. great. I like uh, it. Should we come back to character discussions? Put a pin in that one. Do Let's pick that a, one later and just sure. stick with plans oh, I mean, for right now. Yeah, put, put a pin in it. Put yeah. a pin in it. Yeah, put a yeah. pin in it because uh, you know Mark Riley's over there telling me he wants to go get mac and cheese for lunch. Um, kid, uh, uh, Emma, you got a question? Yes, I do. Uh, this is from our buddy John Mariano Yay, at John Mariano and why. Uh, it feels like there are a lot of us hoping for the return of Ewoks. Mm-hmm. What are the chances we see an Ewok with a Porg perched on its shoulder hanging out with a Gungan to finally unite the trilogies in Episode 9? What is the most ridiculous thing you hope to see? Yeah, I, uh, that, that right here. I'm hoping the Ewoks return. I hope Chief Nisa and uh, her husband Wicket uh, are yes. there on uh, uh, Endor 7 or whatever we're going. I don't yeah. care. Um, Tarples. Uh, unfortunately... <laughs> I would love to have I would love to have the son of Captain Tarples back. Yeah. Major mm-hmm. Tarples. Yeah. Uh, I'd be okay with this. I don't know if we'll ever see Na- Boss Nash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boss Nash Junior Junior. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see a gun on the screen again. So, he comes back. So John, uh, the chances of this actually happen are zero. But what is the most ridiculous thing you hope to see? What I hope to see. Ace doesn't think the they, chances of this are zero. Nope. This isn't ridiculous, y'all. I I said in the, earlier in this episode, this was going to be the end game right. of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people, obviously, I mean, epic yeah. action. I also mean bringing back everybody. And I mean, okay. everybody's coming back. I know <laughs> I know what my ridiculous thing is that I sort of want to see. Yeah. So you know how in Return of the King, mm. Aragorn has like... The dead army. Mm-hmm. I yeah. want an army of like army of Jedi ghosts. No, no, no. I've okay. been saying that. I, I think Mark Riley has my back on this because he liked my tweet when I said this like two years ago. I said there's gonna be a Jedi Force Ghost party, and it's gonna be like freaking. But they're fighting. Everybody's yeah. back. Like, oh yeah, they're gonna the be. The way there. is shut. It's gonna be like Yoda is coming in. Yeah. Like Samuel Jackson's coming out. Oh. Like it's gonna be. Yeah. Anakin, obviously, a lot of rumors about Hayden Christensen okay. being back, but I am convinced that there's gonna be a Jedi Mark it down, Force dude. Ghost. Yeah. Like, Adventure. The, the way is shot. It was built by the dead, and the dead keep it. The way is shot. Mm-hmm. May they all come running back in on space horses. Yep. 
Again, that's ridiculous. Be, how amazing? How I mean, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. And that's the my ridiculous thing. I just don't know. Mecca, <laughs> Mecca Palpatine. I just you know he's there. He's just like, where's Mecca Luke? Ah, yeah. I thought Hello Greedo oh. said he was real. I want to come like here. Becomes Macross in yeah. the end. Everything you guys reason. are saying, I'm like, yeah, that's gonna happen. <laughs> it might be totally. ridiculous. Hey, uh, but we'll find out. Uh, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. It's uh, it's coming up almost a month away. I know. It's crazy. And you thought Mandalorian and Fallen Order were, were enough. We've got more coming. I cannot thank all of you out there who uh, are watching us and supporting us here at Collider Jedi Council. If you got a question, uh, look for Mark Riley's tweets during the week, or you can just ask us using the hashtag Collider Jedi Council. We're almost out of here. Special thanks to our producer, Mark Riley, giving him some uh, crap today, but he's over there uh, working with us, and Adam Smith in the booth doing some great stuff, getting the pictures up, and also uh, keeping us in line, playing those videos. Uh, can't thank you both enough. Uh, Ace, Andres Cabrera, yeah. thanks for your insight um, and your ridiculous theories. And I think not of the, all of them are ridiculous. I thank think you, you could be onto something Appreciate here. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter mm-hmm. and Instagram at Squad Leader Ace and on YouTube at First Cut, where you can see my podcast, The Meaning of. Emma Five, you did some great heavy lifting yesterday. I sure did. You got to meet some people, but you worked hard. You yes. earned every moment, and you, you. Uh, now have information vital to Jedi Council in your brain because... We haven't seen that far ahead. I do. And you can hear and see more about that. Again, uh, keep your eyes peeled for my full interview with Cameron Monaghan regarding Jedi Fallen Order uh, coming down the pipeline here on Collider Video, as well as our full review of the latest installment in a long history, long and harried history of Star Wars video games. Uh, That game, of course, being Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, that's all I can say about it, but... uh, yeah. I think you'll like it. Embargoes are very serious. Just <laughs> ask our old friend, JTE. Um, for me, you can follow me at Cadnapsuck or go to Cadnapsuck.com for information where to buy my book, Why We Love Star Wars, or podcasts that I do, like the Knapsack Files or Force Center with Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. And if you're watching this Thursday and you're in the greater Washington, D.C. area, me and Mr. Mark Ellis are doing comedy, stand-up comedy, telling the jokes over at the Comedy Loft in Washington, D.C., Saturday night, two shows, 7.30-10. Go to MarkEllisLive.net to get tickets now i gotta go get on a plane a lot of fun thank you all we'll see you next week may the force be with you always it's that little chico pitbull mr 305 but it said mr worldwide and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast from negative to positive brought to you by my friends over at state farm i believe that to have success you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you you know the biggest risk you take is not taking one It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.